This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. Over the shoulder, catch by Kirk in the end zone for a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jurecki, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. First place in the division, the number two seed in the conference. Things are pretty good for the Arizona Cardinals despite what happened five days ago. Welcome to a week nine edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. We do it every Tuesday, 11 a.m. year-round, but for the first time this season, gentlemen, we are talking about a Cardinals loss. And the sky was falling Thursday night, Friday morning, maybe even into the weekend, Drew, but I think by today, Tuesday, enough time has passed. Yes, it still stings. But coaches and players have moved on. I think it's time for us as well. Yep, it's uh, it's on to the next one. It's the the next one and zero mentality that has gotten them to seven and one, and it is unfortunate. But I think what you do is you go back and you correct the mistakes. You get away. You get this mini buy to kind of get your body back together. You get uh, a mental break. I know those Thursday night games are always so important to try and win those because you have a better taste in your mouth throughout the course of the weekend. And when you don't win them, it seems like the weekend just drags on and on because you want to get back into the offense office, flush it, and be able to move on that game was really physical considering both teams had played on a sunday i mean they were they were laying the lumber and you know i think a lot of it's correctable i mean you know we'll get into some of the details getting rodney hudson back um that should settle things down and if max garcia is able to go i go out to think he's the right guard and you know they need chandler jones to, to be chandler jones and you know we got you know nine games left and then you look at you know Corey peters and hopefully richard lawrence you know, again, uh, they got to correct some stuff, and, and I'm sure they do a small evaluation. Just let's look back at the first eight games, but normally during the bye week is when you do more self-evaluation. We know Kyler Murray is dealing with a sprained ankle. We'll get more in-depth on that discussion a little bit later on in the show, but as far as what is correctable, to your point, MJ, when you look at the Cardinals offensively, they just weren't on the field for a lot of the time on Thursday night. Only 22 minutes compared to 37 and a half minutes for the Green Bay offense, and that was by design. Keep Kyler Murray and that offense on the sidelines. Yeah, and, and I'm going to defer to Drew here because that could be the blueprint, but let's go Let's go a step further. They have a Hall of Fame quarterback who can make the throws, and they have a one-two punch. So I don't know if every team can do that. Clearly, teams are going for it more on fourth down, I think, analytics to keep Kyler Murray off the field. So it sounds good in theory, and the Cardinals' time of possession to me could be misleading. They had the ball that much and only scored 24 points, but um, the total plays was really the difference in the game. 72 total plays for the Packers, just 55 for the Cardinals. Did 
the rest of the league learn something from that Green Bay offense to defend the Cardinals offense. Yeah, to MJ's point, if they got two really good running backs and a Hall of Fame quarterback, for sure they do. Uh, but the flow of the game, sometimes you don't, you have a mindset going into it, but sometimes you deviate from that. They were able to stick to their game plan, do all that shorthanded at wide receiver, get in the red zone. He had a security blanket and Randall Cobb, as we talked about. And still kind of stick to that of not turning the ball over, being smart, take what's there, and chew up clock. Uh, To that point, though, they still settled for field goals. They weren't great in the red zone. Kudos more so to the Cardinals' defense, which I think was a bright spot through all of this, is even though the offense wasn't on the field and the time of possession and number of plays, there was such a division between that that you're able to still go out there and give yourself a chance at the very end of the game to win against a very quality opponent. So, I mean, yes, moral victories, all that stuff doesn't matter, but you sit back and you look and you are able to evaluate these things and I remember when Cliff first got here, they want to beat you with tempo. They want to go, they want to go, they want to go, they want to go. Well, when they can't get into that rhythm, it's much like these teams that want to be a no-huddle offense. When you keep going three and out, you put so much stress on your defense. And, yeah, the run defense wasn't great. But when you're out there so much and you're coming off of a four-day rest and it is a all-out you know, fight each and every play, eventually somebody's going to you know, start giving up ground. And that's just the, the matter-of-fact way of looking at this game, um, taking the positives out of it and just trying to work within the confines of what you're given. And with all that being said, they had a chance at the end, which is all you can ask for. I mean, when you're minus three in the uh, you know turnover ratio, you're probably 20% chance of winning. When you're getting gouged in the run game, and then, you know, what was it? Randall Cobb had three catches for 15 yards. It looks like a miscommunication between Buddha and Murphy in the end zone. So, again, those things are correctable. Five yards away from that Cardinals loss turning into a Cardinals win, but we get back to not seeing enough of Kyler Murray on that offense on the football field. Here is Cliff Kingsbury and what the Packers offense did to the Cardinals offense. They did a tremendous job with that. I thought they were really effective. Um, we knew having those guys out, two of their top receivers, that they would run the football and, and get it out quick, and uh, I thought they had a great plan and executed it well. Didn't turn the ball over, which was huge for them. 151 rushing yards, but the turnover margin, zero for the Packers, and it was three for the Cardinals. That, to me, if you want to look at stats through that, that really is glaring. And, yes, one of those turnovers was the interception at the end of the game, but you're giving away possessions, and one of those, a muff punt, the offense wasn't even allowed to get on the football field. Yeah, again, those are just taking possessions away. And I think when you get into the flow and the rhythm, like we saw that last drive, they made that look so easy where they just kept pressing the envelope, going down, and there's so many guys, as we've talked about time and time again, that can make plays for you that you want to just keep putting you know, the uh, gas pedal down on the floor. They weren't capable of ever finding that rhythm until the very end. So that's obviously, it's easily correctable, it's easily identifiable, but I also don't think that you're going to see that each and every week. And the other thing that I think everybody gets so wrapped up in is, yeah, it's still a loss. Well, they're also a missed field goal away from losing that game against the Vikings. All of these things, it's a game of inches. I mean, even the, the spreading and the spacing on that interception in the red zone of the screen, I mean, 
Pugh's working up to the second level and Rondell doesn't feel completely comfortable coming in and they're on the same page, a tip pick, like that's, that's not going to happen all the time. So those little things that you can correct and try and just work them and identify them as they are and you move on to the next week and you realize you're 7-1, and one, you have everything out in front of you as we talked about. You go out and you try and win the NFC West because you've got somebody on your tail right now that is making moves, they're doing everything in their power to try and be the last man standing. Yeah, talking about the Rams also 7-1, and one, but the Cardinals have that head-to-head tiebreaker, so that's why they are atop the NFC West currently and number two in the NFC. Cardinals turned the ball over three times. The Packers did not turn the ball over. And for Jordan Hicks, post-game on Thursday night, not getting the takeaway is what he comes out of that game most upset about. We didn't get turnovers, right? Past seven, eight games, whatever, we've, we've gotten turnovers. We didn't do that today. And to me, I feel like that was a, a big difference, right? We, we had three, and we had, you know, on defense, we didn't get any. So, wish we had it back, but with all of that, we had the ball with a chance to win right, right at the end. So, it's a team that battles. Uh, it's a team that doesn't give up. And, uh, you know, that's the makeup of this team. 24-21, the final. You go back at the game at Cleveland, MJ. Three takeaways. But over the past two games, Texans and Packers, just one takeaway by that defense. Yeah, and there was a you know maybe a three game stretch where the Cardinals weren't turning the ball over. So all of a sudden, you know they're protecting the ball, and then when you look at the uh, turnover ratio of those games, it was either plus one or plus two. So it kind of evens itself out throughout the course of the year. Um, you know, you talked about the Rondell Moore play. I mean, Rondell Moore did not have a good game. I mean, the muff punt. Um, you know, he, he's the only one in the stadium that knew his fingers uh, touched that ball before the replay. He got to jump on it. And then, you know, obviously a tip ball can go either way. Um, but taking the ball out of the end zone, the little things. And, and, and I'm not worried about him. That was a – he was on the national stage, and, and it looked like it may have got a little bit of him. Things happened on Thursday that I think maybe we have seen throughout the entire season, but because it happens in a loss, it gets magnified. So that's the question now, Drew, is how does this team, we think there's a question that now needs to be answered. How do you respond to your first loss? Is that a legit question, though, in the locker room with those players who have been around the game for a number of years, whether that's the National Football League, college, or whatever, as far as how do you rebound now from that first taste of defeat? Yeah, I don't think it's a rebound as much as you identified that was a really good football team. And, you know, even going back to the turnovers, right? we make stats out to be what we want to be. We can either make them good or bad in our favor, and we manipulate them to make us feel better in certain situations. I mean, yes, they didn't get a turnover, but if they don't stop them on fourth down, then we're not even talking about this because we thought he got in the end zone. So that, to me, is a turnover, and I've said that the last couple of weeks, that they're so good on stopping people on fourth down, and they had been, so that, though they were not getting the quote-unquote turnover the one that you had talked about the last the previous two weeks, they had all of those fourth down stops. So those equate to turnovers in my mind because there's a change of possession happening. Now the mentality going into the locker room, look, if they kept that one and zero mentality each and every week, like you know, you want to really do, 
even if it's 0-1 the previous week, you move on to the next one. And that's really where that leadership steps up and they say, hey, you guys, right, wrong, or indifferent, we have the process that we've trusted and that's got us this far. We're going to get back on board with that and back on ship of, okay, today is Wednesday and we're going to do our install Wednesday as we know. We have our Thursday, Friday. So you get back into routine. They have done that time and time again now of, of doing that and creating that process that they feel comfortable with because that's what's brewed this confidence within this team to allow to go out and play for one another to be able to identify the mistakes that were made, but also highlight the positives. They know what their strengths are now. Eight weeks into the season, they know what they do well, and you can't let the little things start to become bigger things of like, yeah, like you can't start pressing for turnovers. Like They just come in bunches or they don't, but you have to make sure that you're playing gap sound football on defense because now against two very good running backs in this league with Aaron Jones and then Delvin Cook, like that scheme presents problems. That's what they do everything with. But if you can shut that down like they did in the previous weeks against the Derrick Henrys of the world, then that makes them divert and go to, to plan B. And that's really what you want to do each and every week. Drew, from a player's perspective, if Aaron Jones scores another up by 10, Cardinals still had enough time where you know, but they would have been teeing off on Kyler Murray because they had to throw it. Even though they had a chance at the end, I mean, is close games versus, you know, if you lose by 17, I know it's a loss at the end of the day. From a player's perspective, how do you how do you look at that? Well, I think that one's just tough because the way that it ended, right? Like, yeah. But to me, what I was looking for, and I'm really proud to see within the men in that locker room, is nobody was pointing fingers. You looked at when Cliff was on the podium. You looked at when Kyler was on the podium. They didn't say, hey, he messed this up. Or it, was this, it was a miscommunication. We're going to move on. And everybody on the outside hates hearing that, and that's really what I think shows the character and the foundation that's been built here within this organization that gives you so much optimism moving forward because, you know, in years past or other places or if there wasn't any of these things in place that are here, you'd say, oh, well, yeah, well, he messed that up or this was his fault or you start pointing fingers, which is the worst thing you can do in a team sport like this because if you kind of start feel like the fingers start getting pointed around or you start picking sides or anything like that, nobody wins. And that's really when it gets down to crunch time you want to be able to rely on the guy next to you and they've shown that and they've been able to have the ability to do that and yes that one play was magnified unfortunately but so many other plays transpired throughout the course of the game to get him to that point I mean when you average four and a half yards per carry it's hard to win in the National Football League you brought up Kyler Murray let's take it back to Thursday post game Kyler Murray meeting the media you're gonna face adversity you know this is the NFL so we knew it would come at some point, we fought the whole game. You know, just came up short. You make the last play, we're not talking about this. So, yeah, it is what it is. He's exactly right. You make that play or make a couple of other plays, and that game is completely flipped, and you're talking about an 8-0 and team. But, again, how we began this show, first place in the division, number two seed in the conference. Everything is still in front of this team, and it's not just the Cardinals that believe that. How about Aaron Rodgers? Post game on the field with Aaron Rodgers, or excuse me, with Aaron Andrews of NFL on Fox. I said I respect the way he plays. He's starting off with, a, you know, with some incredible years he's putting together. He's so talented, arm talent. Obviously, he runs all over the place. So we'll see you in the playoffs. First time Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers sharing the same field, facing off one another. The I guess the youngster versus the veteran Drew, but uh, some mutual respect 
with what Aaron Rodgers has seen up close and obviously from afar. Yeah, well, I think a lot of us play this game for respect, right? And when you're respected by your peers, and Kyler's obviously going out and shown that. I mean, going into this week, he's still the front runner for the MVP. What he can, is capable of doing on a football field and the effect he has on so many levels makes the defense really be honest. Now, you want to see him limit the number of times he's running the ball, especially in the red zone or in harm's way. But you also have to understand there's a competitive man behind that face mask that's going out there trying to do these things. So there's a balance within all of that. Um, you want to be in harm's way. I mean, Aaron even ducked his head and trying to get in the end zone with four guys around him. So there, there's a, a certain point, and it has to be calculated. Um, but moving forward, again, you you see why this Cardinals offense is so good and runs through Kyler. Are you surprised that they threw the ball three times? I am, yeah. I mean, with the, with the transpire, but things happen so quickly. You kind of have to have a game plan, and you go over these things. And you know, we talked about was there enough time to be able to get two plays off? And I know some of these scenarios you go through either in training camp or at the end of the week, or situations yeah. where you set it up and you say, okay, we've got 18 seconds, and it's third down, much like that. Can we get two plays off? But if they're bringing all out pressure and they're doing a lot of different things of changing up the defensive calls. If you get caught in a bad situation and you're not on the ball, game's over, and then you look like even more of an idiot. <laughs> Time transpires when you could have kicked a field goal yeah. to be able to tie it. Just getting started here on this edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to all your favorite shows on the go. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Third down and one at the Arizona two. Jones is the running back. Rodgers under center. They have three tight ends, and they hand it off. Jones up the middle, driving the feet forward, got into the end zone. Touchdown. Well, there it is once again, running the ball between the tackles. This time it's Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones almost four yards a carry. A.J. Dillon almost five yards a carry. As we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Craig Riolu, Drew Stanton, and Mike Jarecki looking back as well as looking forward, but looking at what happened and maybe what didn't happen Thursday night in that 24-21 loss to the Green Bay Packers, and it was lots of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. 151 yards on the ground, and that was by design to keep Kyler Murray and the Cardinals offense off the field, yet it also reiterated an issue that I think has come up all season long. Just when you win, you can brush it aside a little bit and it doesn't get magnified. But stopping the run, we hear it from Vance Joseph every single week, Drew. They've done a good job at times. Obviously, week one against Derrick Henry and shutting down the Houston Texans, though that was the Texans. But it's something that, once again, you want to get a team off the field, make them one-dimensional. Well, the Cardinals did not do that Thursday. Yeah, well, I think that's the, the key uh, two words you had there was at times. I mean, that's the way this league is, right? The vast majority of teams, everything is predicated on the run game. Everything stems from that and flows from that because when you're running the football, there's less chance of turning the ball over. And we've talked about the turnover battle already. When you're able to do that, and usually the interesting thing to me in looking at those stats, like you said, is the average yards per carry. Usually you get that average yards per carry bumped up because you have some long run. There's a long run at the end of the game that does something like that. James Conner, we've seen him do that, where all of a sudden it's like, oh man, he had 60 yards rushing, and part of it was in the four-minute period of the game. 
those guys were consistently staying ahead of the chains. It was second and six. It was all these things, as we talked about in the postgame show, that allowed them to open up the offense and be able to have everything at their disposal in all of these different situational periods of the game, knowing full well that they were so limited at wide receiver, right? I mean, everybody said, okay, well, we don't even know who their, their top three guys are out, and now Randall Cobb's here, and, and he can't do that much anyways. But they still were able to stick to the game plan. It's almost demoralizing when you say, we know what they're going to do, and we still can't stop it. So being able to, again, identify these things and go back and look at the film and say, okay, each and every man sits there and watches at a defense and say, I messed up on this play. I wasn't in my gap. I missed this tackle. And we're still seeing such a good job of these guys, uh, safeties tackling. They're still playing at an extremely high level. It's just sometimes you've got to take it for what it is and you know, t- tip your hat to the team that you went against. Craig had a great stat, though. They were averaging 4.5 yards on first down. Yeah, I mean, that's what the Cardinals have been so good at, right? Like, we we talked about it before of, of getting into these situations that are run past times that you're sitting there and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I can tell you any defensive coordinator sitting there in his chair is extremely uncomfortable when you're, when you're talking about those kind of statistics. Well, and you mentioned Dylan had a 12-yard run. Aaron Jones had a 16-yard run. Um, Rodgers, both Rodgers, one had an 11-yard run. Cardinals at half at halftime, they had given up 20 yards, uh, 20 carries on 93 yards, 4-7. In the second half, 14 carries for 58 yards. Now, again, uh, they were able to, you know, obviously get a couple touchdowns with Randall Cobb. They started getting the tight end involved. But in the second half, only 14 carries for 58 yards, much lower than in the first half where they're averaging 4-7. And we've seen that consistently this entire season those second half adjustments or better efforts against the run second half post game jordan hicks something drew you mentioned as far as they knew exactly what the packers were going to do you know i think when they started having success running the ball you know it was a go-to for them and and it wasn't anything exotic you know we just didn't we didn't tackle as well as um, we wanted to you know obviously if you can if you can have the run game i say this every week if you can have the run game is offense. It opens up everything. And, uh, you know, for a defense, that's got to be the number one goal is to stop the run. This season, the Cardinals heading into week nine, 31st against the run as far as per play, 4.9 yards. And all of a sudden, that's two rushing carries, and that's a first down. You're moving the sticks. And then we talk about third down defense. The Packers were 6 of 14, but... 13 of those were six yards or fewer. Very manageable. The entire playbook at your disposal. Yeah, and when you have a veteran quarterback that feels extremely comfortable with that, being able to dictate what's going on in protection, being able to do all these things, and even when you get down in that four or less range, the run becomes extremely prevalent. So then not only are you worried about a pass defense, you're doing these things. So they did, you know, they, they were able to work to a T. Now, there are times that Vance brought pressure and confused Aaron um, and was able to do a really good job of that, but that's that back and forth of being able to see who's going to be able to, you know, be the aggressor, be able to continue to stay out on the field and you know again there's a reason why he's a hall of fame quarterback because he's he's been there he's done that and even with a depleted um skill group around him he was able to go out there and manage a game to a t of exactly what you need to get out of him to have the limited number of turnovers being a manageable down and distance each and every time um so it, it was an impressive uh an impressive game by him nonetheless. I'll say this. You know, if you want to go through the first seven games, the Cardinals hang their hat on open field tackling. You know, we, we talk about Buda and Jalen Thompson and how they tackled. That was the worst game so far when it came to tackling. And maybe, 
when you see these running backs get to the second layer, <laughs> and and you know you got a guy like Dylan who's got lower extremities. I mean, he's huge now. You're not making a business decision, but um, it just seemed like they were one step behind where normally they were controlling the tempo on defense by tackling in the open field, not letting these guys get to the second layer. And that starts at the line of scrimmage, something Zach Allen postgame talked about focusing on the defensive line on what they can do to correct that run defense. Everybody's got to pick up the pieces, um, especially on the deep front. I think all of us on this D line, you know, we're definitely, uh, you know, going to work. Obviously getting Corey back is going to help too. So that's all I can say right now is that we're just going to work and fix it. Hopefully, well, not hopefully, we know Corey Peters is available. He was activated Friday from the reserve COVID-19 list. Hopefully, Rashard Lawrence is back after missing a couple of weeks with a calf injury. Zayvon Collins, how is his shoulder after getting hurt on Thursday night? We know this team is going to be without, maybe for the rest of the regular season, without J.J. Watt. Once again, Zach Allen talking about the loss of Watt and what it means for that rest of the defense. It's not just like a teammate, it really is like a brother and, you know, just knowing what he's been through and, you know, just talking to him this whole year, just about all of our, our goals this year, it just, it really was heartbreaking, but I'm sure you guys saw on the sideline, I mean, he was as vocal and, you know, he's definitely going to stay around this team and, you know, we're just for- fortunate to just have the person there and hopefully, you know, playoffs come around, we maybe can get the player back. It was good to see J.J. Watt on the sideline, but we're not going to see him on the field, and maybe not until January or maybe even February. More needs to be known about that. But there are some pieces on that defensive line that can make not make up for, but at least provide some depth and shore things up a little bit. Yeah, and Kingsbury mentioned he's going to have surgery here. Uh, you know, is, is it this week or next week? Nothing's been scheduled. I okay. think they've maintained that surgery is going to happen they just don't okay. know when gotcha yeah i think Corey peters again probably doesn't get enough credit but he's 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 that wide body that can occupy space and then you know i think jordan phillips is playing a lot better he's sticking his nose in there i like michael dogby's strength uh, we look at zach allen and then you know obviously richard lawrence he was making strides he was actually the starter in week one uh, obviously when Corey was coming back from the ACL. And I think the wild card here is Josh Morrow. I know he's on the practice squad. I anticipate uh, they'll bring him up. He can set the edge. I thought Kennard did a good job setting the edge. They missed Kylie, Kylie Fitz and maybe special teams. But, um, you know, uh, the deadline's at 1 o'clock today, and, and I know a lot of people think that they should go out and make a move. I, what I was told recently yesterday was they feel comfortable right now where they are. Now injuries occur, and they did work out three defensive tackles yesterday and just for a ready list, and these guys have NFL experience. Um, some have been in camp, some haven't. So, um, again, something gonna, I don't think anything's going to happen. Now after the show's over, something's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, the NFL trade deadline, 1 p.m. this afternoon, and uh, you know a lot of people believe something needs to be done because of the loss of J.J. Watt. You're just not going to, one, replace a J.J. Watt, and I don't even know if anyone's available out there that could replace a J.J. Watt and a number of different things that would need to happen. What's it going to cost, fit under the salary cap, and then, of course, obviously, assimilate them into what Vance Joseph wants to do defensively. The Day Patch Podcast, Episode 14, coming your way Wednesday, featuring NBC Sports broadcaster Mike Tirico and a Syracuse grad. To catch up on past episodes, follow the Dave Pash podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get your latest updates via Twitter at Pash Pod. Had to throw that in there. 
They pass a Syracuse grad as well. We're all over the place. Hey, it is halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea <laughs> Report. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Tyler Murray's hurt and still down. He's still down flat on his back. And I don't know what happened to Murray, but he's now up on his feet. Murray hobbles to the sideline. Oh, what a way to lose oh, your first game goodness. of the season. What a way to lose your first game of the season. Ankle watch. That's right. That's what we're going to be paying attention to Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. How bad, how serious is it even serious? Kyle Murray getting rolled up on, in his words, on that final drive as we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Greg Rayler, Drew Stanton, and Mike Jarecki. Kyle Murray and the Cardinals going to San Francisco this week. There is some question, though, as to the availability of Kyle Murray and whether he'll be able to make that start. And, no, we joked with you, Drew, before the show began that your phone did not ring over the weekend, whether it was the Cardinals or some other team looking for a quarterback. But uh, what – do we need to see, and I don't even know if we'll see anything during the availability that we are out there Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But if you're the Arizona Cardinals, what do you, or Cliff Kingsbury, what do you need to see to make sure that, okay, we're confident that Kyler Murray can go out there and be Kyler Murray? Well, I think at this point in the season, right, you've been through so many installs, you've been through so many things that it's going to really be on him, and it's going to be a game-time decision, and you know, there's some gamesmanship and strategy that goes into it. The It doesn't need to be said what's going on on the outside, um, but I think the beauty of it, even if Kyler can't practice or has to take time off, for a backup like Colt to be able to get those reps, it's invaluable. To be able to feel confident if he has to go and if Kyler tries to play and all of a sudden something goes wrong or something gets rolled up and he just can't do it or he's ineffective, then Colt has all those practice reps. And even if he doesn't, he can go out there and operate again. So I think the beauty of this offense is, is you look at who they have at running back. You look who they're getting back on the offensive line. You look at the wide receivers and, and hopefully DeAndre is healthy and his hamstring is good. So all of these things add to it where Kyler is, is such a field player anyways he can go out there and he can make plays and do all of these things and distribute the ball and maybe you see a different version of him more in the pocket and throwing but he's made a concerted effort to do that anyways so they, he's been trying to limit the number of runs and moving all these things but he's such a good passer and I don't think people give him enough credit for being able to throw at all different levels throw distribute the ball all over the field and there is some strategy of how you might structure a game plan um but it doesn't have to change drastically whether he's available Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as long as he can play Sunday and you hopefully he can go out there and uh, put them in a position to win. I was going to ask you that. I mean, it's a long season, and we know that Colt McCoy has been one of the, uh, you know, uh, one of the underrated signing, how much, you know, he's taught Kyler how to watch film. Um, so you're, you're thinking he doesn't need to practice because Kingsbury's more on tempo, and obviously Colt McCoy would get more reps. We'd probably see him under center a little bit more. So does he need to practice at all? Just I don't think he does. I mean, I know Cliff talked about a little bit um – you know, when he was missing the how out of sync he felt. I think it's different from a play caller trying to realize that make sure he's communicating to the guy actually on the field that's playing and distributing. But Kyler has been in this offense now for three years. He's done so many things. He knows the nuances of the offense, the system. He can still get walkthrough reps. He can still verbally be able to go through everything, enunciate, like talk about what's going on, give his input, because he's got a good feel for what he wants to do. You know, there might be some wrinkles of the offense. He doesn't get to rep necessarily. Maybe there is. I mean, who knows? 
we don't know the severity of his injury. Um, but at the same time, having a veteran like Colt, and again, having the pieces in place to be able to go out there and win, it might be a, a variation of Kyler because you're not going to have the zone reads in or any of that stuff, and you've got to get through it. And you've got to be smart because you don't want this to become something bigger or worse than it is because he's a you know, front-runner for MVP for a reason because he is that much of a difference maker when he's out there. Cliff did mention that the offense would change a little bit. Is that more under center? Clearly, he's not going to run as much. I mean, he he could be in the shotgun, you know. Yeah, I I don't think I think everything is comfortable in the shotgun. I mean, you can go under center. And we saw Kyler under center a little bit because it just gives a different flavor to what a defense is looking at and the keys of what's going on and opens it up. But at the same time, I mean, you look at James Conner and you look at Chase Edmonds, they can do so many things dynamically. And even, you know, getting Rondell more involved in the backfield. And Colt's very good. He's in tune to what's going on. He's been around here long enough now through the course of eight weeks and even in the offseason to feel comfortable but I think having a veteran center and having a veteran quarterback, those guys are always already speaking the same language. And when they both got here and they kind of learned together, so and they've helped this whole system grow together. I know that for a fact that both of them have had a huge impact on kind of this thing progressing in the right direction. That if they got out there together, much like when AQ Shipley and I would play together, like there's already this high level of vernacular that we we're used to speaking anyways because we had to know as backups like you're sitting there watching a walkthrough and you don't have the luxury of going through the reps so you had to be so in tune to what's going on and you couldn't have any hesitation because when you got out there on sunday you would be exposed if you didn't know if there was any seed of doubt in your mind of identifying the mic or changing the protection or doing all these things or sending the motion all of these things and when you get the reps throughout the course of the week um the run checks that are going on or checking run to pass making sure you're communicating the signals with the wide receivers when you're the backup and you get that opportunity you cherish those because most of the time you just get thrown in there and say, all right, go out and try and win a game. (laughs) The good news here is by the time Sunday arrives, 10 days will have passed since Kyler Murray got rolled up on. He has played at less than 100% before. Cliff Kingsbury brought that up earlier this week. He's played in games where he wasn't able to really do, you know, his, his entire repertoire, if you will, of, you know, showcases talents last year at times um you know he was pretty banged up the previous year i remember him playing that that rams game with a uh you know a hurt hamstring uh so we'll see we'll we'll make sure that he's um in a good position to play at a high level before we put him out there that's for sure this we do know we will we won't see it but colt mccoy is going to get more reps this week he needs to be ready if needed he does have experience Starting, In fact, he started two games last season, including once against the Cardinals when he was with the New York Giants. So there is that familiarity to be able to run an offense. He just doesn't have a lot of familiarity within this offense. But I agree with Drew. I mean, you have the pieces on the outside. He's been in camp. He's been in, in, in the meeting rooms. And, you know, he's, he was still learning the offense, but he was able to break down film. So if you're out, you don't, you don't have your two top wide receivers, then it's more difficult. But the, the, the system's in place right here. It's just, you know, don't turn the ball over. Kind of manage the game and let your defense force some turnovers possibly. But I don't think he has to do more than they're going to ask him to do based on the offense as where it sits right now. Well, if it is Colt McCoy on Sunday, what does the head coach think about his chances at making sure that that record would go to eight and one? He'd be great. Uh, he approaches like you know, like a starter. He's here all day, every day, early, stays late. I mean, does all the stuff you want, and he's been a tremendous addition. And 
Um, so if, if Kyler weren't able to make it, um, you know, we'd have all the confidence in the world in Colt. We've heard a lot, Drew, about just what Colt has meant in that meeting room or just being a sounding board on the field. They're huddled up during games, looking at the iPad, the Microsoft tablet, as far as what didn't work or this is what is working. So there is that trust and a little bit of a coach in Colt McCoy. And again, this is why you signed him, because in the event you needed a backup quarterback, can you get someone that can make sure things stay the same for a two or three week stretch yeah there's a certain demeanor that you have to have as a backup quarterback in this league and the way you go about things the way when you're not playing still having an effect in the background and nothing against chris trevler it's a learned trait to be able to do that in this league and i think even if kyler does play of making sure colts remind him hey stay in the pocket use your feet throw with your, you know throw with your whole body don't put yourself in harm's way all of these things because again you don't want him to go out there and not be able to defend himself or create something because he's not at 100 percent. so again this is when we get to the middle portion of the season of being so valuable of that relationship that's built between those guys because Kyler fully trusts everything that's coming out of Colt's mouth. And then at the same time, Colt's also preparing as if he's the starter to be able to go into San Francisco to be able to you know, try and go and win a football game because ultimately that's how we're judged as backups. I mean, my career stats are absolutely awful, but I can hang my hat on the fact when I was able to go out there and play, I won more games than I lost. And that's truly the only measure that I cared about um, because I knew the effect I was having on the locker room. And I wanted those guys to feel like when I stepped out on the field, they could still believe we go out and win a football game because that's the most important tool a quarterback can have and to MJ's point when you can facilitate and you can throw the ball up to DeAndre Hopkins and to AJ Green and even Zach Ertz and these security blankets I think you'll see the offense change a little bit but you're going to see more checkdowns you're going to see more conservative throws you're not going to see you know him rolling out to his left and throwing from you know shooting from the hip and making a play like we saw so there's different things but there's still a way to win a football game and to be able to do that and I mean it's kind of ironic that we're talking about this of Colt going back to San Francisco. I mean, I think I, the the number of games I started here, two or three of them were against San Francisco, and both two of them in San Francisco, I won both those. So I feel good of trying to rub some of my uh, luck off on Colt. <laughs> we always hear one play away, and there were too many times that we saw Drew Stanton because it was one play that. Carson Palmer gets knocked out of the ball game, but that's you know that's living in the past. We're moving forward here. The Cardinals Red Sea report continues. We will look ahead to what is on tap this Sunday when the Cardinals visit the San Francisco 49ers. Though this week, coming up on Wednesday, episode six of Cardinals Folk Tales titled 104 Yards, Victory and a Vote. You can catch it on Cardinals' YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals. A look back at the Cardinals' upset win over Washington in November of 2000, just days before voters approved Proposition 302, which paved the way for the construction of State Farm Stadium. Again, youtube.com slash azcardinals for all episodes of Cardinals Folk Tales. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. back to 
throw on second and nine. In trouble, moves to his left, being chased by Bosa. Now throws it deep across the field, near side. Jump ball, it's caught by Hopkins at the 10 and tackled at the nine-yard line. Kyler Murray threw that ball outside the numbers on the far side to the near sideline. 5.20 to go. Cardinals lead 10-7. Can they put him away? Can they get a touchdown? Snap to Kyler. He throws a fade left side in the end zone. And it is caught for a touchdown by D-Hop. D-Hop caught it with Josh Norman draped all over him trying to pull the ball away. What a great catch by DeAndre Hopkins. Broke the sickles out on the fade and stabbed the pig out of the air and brought it in. Man, at some point, when you've got dudes who are just better than the other team, that's enough. Six catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown for DeAndre Hopkins back in week five when the Cardinals beat the 49ers 17-10 at State Farm Stadium. Now, this week... On Sunday, the Cardinals will travel to Levi's Stadium and look for the season series sweep over the 49ers, something that they have not done since 2018. 225 is the kickoff. 9.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. We know the Cardinals have a quarterback issue as far as whether or not Kyler Murray will play. I don't think there is an issue anymore as far as what the 49ers were going to do considering Jimmy Garoppolo. 322 yards last week in a win over the Bears in Chicago. They snapped that four-game losing streak. We haven't seen Trey Lance since week five when he hurt his ankle or his knee against the Cardinals but I do think Jimmy Garoppolo Drew is going to be the guy the Cardinals will face for the first time this season yeah well I think he's the veteran guy he gives them the best chance to win right now eventually it's going to be um, an interesting dynamic to see if you get Trey Lance and have him in there with some of the stuff because of his athleticism but he's not the guy right now and you know it's out in front of you again the blueprint of how you're able to go out and win you stop the run I mean Jordan Hicks talked about it everybody knows about it um, what Vance has done such a good job though is against these style of teams is having great run blitzes on second down putting them behind the sticks in the situation so that's going to be key because again this is a team that's not great with just their drop back intermediate passing game I mean he had 17 completions for 322 yards um, six catches by Debo Samuel for 170 yards so you limit some of the playmakers they have they want to run the football they want to establish the run and based off of that have their play action game um, so if you can limit that especially without George Kittle around, you know what you need to stop. You know what you're able to do. But then again, last week, they knew what they needed to stop, too. So, being devil's advocate there, you just got to go out there and you have to make sure, again, that you can't let any leakage turn into big runs, big plays, because this is a team that can hit a home run from anywhere on the field in their ground game. Yeah, and, and the Bears scored 18 points in the fourth quarter now. Garoppolo had also two rushing touchdowns. Um, Elijah Mitchell, he's had back-to-back games over 100 yards. He had 137 yards, 129 coming after contact. He had six first downs on 18 attempts. So it looks like they may have found the running back. It could be by committee. Debo Samuel, catch uh, six out of nine targets, 171 yards, and 99 coming after catch. He clearly is their their go-to guy. Uh, We haven't seen a lot from Brandon Ayuk. So, you know, Vance prefers pocket passers. So, you know, I always say Garoppolo's going to throw you one. He's made that very clear, talking about Coach Joseph, that in that first game he would have preferred to see Garoppolo under center as opposed to Trey Lance. But Jimmy G is going to be the guy, at least that's what we anticipate. Here's head coach Cliff Kingsbury on the 49ers starting quarterback. 
I mean, obviously it's a small sample with, with Trey so far in his career, but Jimmy's won a bunch of games there. I mean, his, you look at his winning percentage, and it's, it's really, really good um, as the starting quarterback there, and, and I think that's the bottom line in this league. And uh, He's been a tremendous player for a long time and um, really played well. Six touchdowns, four interceptions. Garoppolo's been sacked eight times. Again, the Cardinals looking for that season series sweep of the 49ers and to get back in the win column after losing on Thursday night football to the Green Bay Packers. Kyler Murray on what this team needs to do to make sure this first loss doesn't become two, three, four, and so on. It's a very mature group. We've got a lot of old veterans, a lot of, a lot of leaders on this team that you know I don't think will let that happen. So... I'm confident in us uh, bouncing back and forgetting about this one. You know, Kyler, after the game, when the, when they won 17-10, he thought they had the best front four in football. Nothing, No disrespect to the Rams. The 49ers <laughs> defensive line combined for 20 pressures last week. So getting Rodney Hudson back and Max Garcia, hopefully that's going to go a long way. But 20 total pressures. And, again, maybe the Bears' offensive line is not playing well, and then any time you get a rookie quarterback, can kind of tee off on him. Well, Kyler Murray in that first meeting, sacked twice, hit three additional times, and Nick Bosa seven sacks this season. And if you don't have a very mobile Kyler Murray, then all of a sudden that might play a factor in the decision, whether that comes Sunday, Drew, or maybe even earlier than Sunday. Yeah, well, I think the the thing about it, too, is it sticks out to me that first game, the internal pressure, and we've talked about it before. When Kyler's getting that internal pressure, it becomes uncomfortable, and when you have an elite pass rusher on the outside, too, then your head kind of starts to get on a swivel, and you're like, okay, where is it coming from? And that's a really good front four. It is. They play hard. They play fast. They've got one of the best middle linebackers in football. They are a very good stout defense they're not as good as they've been in the past i think losing robert sala they're still kind of trying to figure out that identity um especially in the back end but they're very capable and everything kind of stems from there so getting that back getting you know making that a strength again where you're kind of holding on for dear life up front as an offensive line you can see it retooled um but I'm looking forward to this matchup. It's going to be intriguing. And I think that uh, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, he's going to turn the ball over. And Colt's aware of that. The offense is aware of that. You're not going against them head-to-head, but you're also cognizant of the fact that you've got to protect the football. You've got to be smart with the ball and limit that. And then ultimately it's going to come down to winning a close football game because that's how it is each and every time you play against San Francisco. Well, they will not have Javon Kinlaw, one of those defensive standouts. He's done for the season with a knee injury. And there is a possibility that George Kittle does return turn this week according to head coach Kyle Shanahan they're going to open up that window for him to return to practice he's been on IR because of a calf issue so perhaps we see George Kittle here this week again 225 is the kickoff 9 30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network then we will discuss it one week from today as we put a lid on this edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report, special thanks to those behind the scenes, Senior Broadcast Manager and Producer Jim Omohundro, Technical Director Cody Fincher. We'll talk to you in one week's time and hopefully talking about an 8-1 and one Arizona Cardinals team. For Drew Stanton, Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. This has been the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Kirk 
He got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.